This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show here on AM950, KOEL, and KOEL.com. My name is Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for us here at Town Square Media. Great stuff ahead on today's show. Keith Murphy of WHO13 joins to share his thoughts is the transfer portal good for college football? Then Sean Bach of Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports. He hops on, and we talk the Iowa versus Iowa State game on Thursday. Of course, the Hawkeyes coming out victorious. More insight on the Hawkeyes' recruiting attempts before 2023, that signing day, December 15th as well. Sean always brings it, so make sure to stick around for that. And now, before we get into the meat, the thick of this first segment this this Saturday morning. I want to make sure that nobody missed the report from me. We have it on the KOEL website. A couple sources told me that UNI defensive end Cordarius Bailey, he is expected to be back in 2023. Nothing set in stone yet, but he is expected to get a medical waiver that will grant him another year of eligibility, meaning that he will be on the defensive line again in 2023 for the Panthers. That's huge. Obviously, defensive line depth very much needed going into next season, uh, especially with the lack of production this year from the DL. Uh, Just 10.5 sacks total, and two of them came from Cordarius. So big win for the UNI football team going into next season and a position they don't have to worry about as much going into the portal and in recruiting. And I, I think the, the class is pretty much well shaped up by now, but uh, for, for that matter, I, I think uh, that'll, that'll help a lot. And, and having a guy that, that knows the system, knows his teammates being around uh, Bailey was really fun to watch this year. One of the more athletic linemen on, on the roster. So I, I'm excited about that. Again, you can read that on the KOEL app or the KOEL website, that report from me coming out yesterday morning. But now, again, we we continue to talk about the transfer portal for UNI and for these other schools that we cover here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk, Iowa, Iowa State, because it is so huge. And as you'll hear me talk about with, with Keith Murphy, over a 1,000 players are in the portal right now, so it's obviously affecting everyone, and it's each, affecting each and every team in very different ways. The FBS versus the FCS versus some of these D2 guys who, who play really well at D2 and get the opportunity to move up to D1. And so it's a variety of different things. Obviously, UNI has struck gold in the past in the portal with guys like Wu Governor, guys like Benny Sapp III, Desmond Hudson, obviously Theo Day was was big. And, and of course, who we just talked about, Cordarius Bailey. So it's something that is is very important and something that we got to talk about on a regular basis. And obviously, we already talked about defensive back with Stefan Black II announcing that he'd be entering the portal and no longer playing corner at UNI. Uh, talked about the outlook for that position, how UNI could shore up that corner spot. Uh, but one quick update, and then we'll move on to these other positions because I, I think we hit that pretty hard on, on Wednesday, and you can go check that out uh, again. Anywhere you get your podcasts, we have it up there uh, so you can keep updated on that corner position, what I think they're going to do to replace Stefan Black. But the one thing that I wanted to add today, I think it's Rolian. Rolian. Sturkey. Uh, he's visiting from Central Michigan. He's a he's a transfer portal guy with one year left of eligibility. Um, he is he played defensive back at, at Central Michigan for the Chippewas. Former teammate of Wu Governor. Wu has had positive things to say about him on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be at the basketball game. Well, that w- did happen uh, last night in in uh, the McLeod Center, but. I'm going to try to uh, get get some more information on that as as things progress. Other FBS defensive backs that they have offered since then, Khalil Anderson from Pitt, Terry Roberts of Iowa, and Rodney Johnson III, who was a walk-on at Alabama, uh, getting an offer from UNI. He just told me that he's going to be visiting here soon, too. And then uh, those are the FBS offers. Uh, FCS is kind of hit and miss for guys that fans know who they are. Uh, a lot of the the offers are guys that I didn't know of, didn't know they existed other than really truthfully Terry Roberts. But Bill Hall Cohn from Indiana State, another guy who's who's gotten uh, an offer from you and I. And I don't have any sources. I'm trying to get some feelers out there on on this, but but I have a good feeling about Bill Hall, and he he appeared to be excited, at least on Twitter, regarding the possibility of of playing in Cedar Falls. Anyway, 
other positions with defensive back clearly uh, being a big focus with this staff. There are, I think, eight or nine offers out there right now. Jordan Vincent was uh, an offer that they had, but he was he, he was from Eastern Illinois. He just committed to New Mexico State. So big focus for, for the UNI staff in the portal is that defensive back position. Now, there are other positions that they have appeared to have prioritized to me in the portal. They're not going all out, all all crazy in the portal with offers. They've offered way more JUCO kids than they have kids in the portal. So do with that what you will. I, they might be a little iffy on it just because several guys that came in last year from the portal are now back in the portal. Peter Udoibach, Miguel Edwards, Jonathan Phoenix, and I think that's it. I'd have to go look. But it's uh, that that could very well be be part of it but either way they have looked into the portal and i'm sure they will continue to do so because those numbers are just going to continue to go up and uh, they definitely want guys who want to be in cedar falls too they're giving out these offers because a lot of these guys are pretty talented and and coach farley probably feels that they'd be a good fit but he wants guys who are going to stick around so on to these other positions that that i perceive to be positions of of need just based on graduation and, and players that have moved on and lack of experience that might be behind them. Number one, and for very obvious reasons I th- I, to me, is, is the offensive line because the only player coming back next season is Jared Penning. And he's been really good. He's been a starter for, for a while for, for the Panthers, but the only one returning, uh, let's see here, Eric Sorensen, Justin Piney, Matthew Vanderslice, and Nick Ellis all graduating. So one returner on the offensive line. Of course, you got Tristan Roper, who's been around for a while, has started in place of Piney and, and Nick Ellis and and some of the other guys due to injury. And he's been good. I, I, I think he'll be solid no matter where they put him on the line. He's obviously versatile, so he can play a few different positions. Um Again, we're talking transfer portal for the UNI Panthers here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk on AM950 KOEL and KOEL.com. And I think there's another player that, if he's not ready, will soon be ready, and that's Ben Kunast, who was a three-star recruit, had an offer from UNI, preferred walk-on from Iowa and Iowa State. Big dude. Coach Farley said that he impressed uh, the staff during camp. So those are the only two that that I know of off the top of my head. We're going to get more information as things progress, uh, especially during spring football, who's going to be the the starting five on, on the offensive line. But I think if you're in a position where these JUCO guys don't start to commit, one that is big is Jack Wilty, a uh, former Northern Illinois uh, uh, player, and then he went back to JUCO to Iowa Central, and he's gotten a few offers. I think UNI is the only FCS program that is in his top eight if I'm remembering correctly. So he would be a, a big get. He just visited um, the visited campus. So we'll, we'll keep all our eyes on that for sure. Uh, I think there are a few other Juco offers out there, but the only offer in the transfer portal that I've seen is Ben Hoytink, who was at Penn and he's gotten a ton of other offers. So chances are he will not end up in Cedar Falls. It's a possibility, but I, I don't see that necessarily happening. And, you know, if you go through off-season workouts or if you've seen some of the stuff this off-season, you don't necessarily believe things are progressing the way you want them to for some of these younger guys, why not go out and get a guy like an Antoine Frazier that, that came in for two seasons for the Panthers, played right tackle in the spring and then also in the fall in 2021. I don't think that hurts at all. Uh, and uh, especially if he's got multiple years of eligibility, if he's an FCS guy or, excuse me, FBS guy, that's huge. Three years of eligibility, throw him in. He can be a staple for for a while, and he'll be under Ryan Clanton, which is definitely a, a positive and, and a thing to use to recruit him because Ryan Clanton makes NFL offensive linemen. That's that's pretty much it. That's all that's all they need to know, and, and he's been really good at his job, and the offense has been awesome too. So um, additionally, defensive line I think should be sort of a priority, uh, lesser so now that you know that Cordarius Bailey is going to be – well. You expect Cordarius Bailey to be coming back. Uh, There's only one offer in the portal that I've seen, and I don't think a whole lot of JUCO stuff either. But Blake Peterson from Iowa State, former three-star recruit, much like Cordarius Bailey. I don't know if they're close, if there's a relationship there. But that's one you just say, hey, yeah, here's an offer. Come on in. Come on in. (laughs) And the thing about the defensive line to me is obviously, like I mentioned, the lack of production, but also... That's uh, when you're in the trenches, it's easy to get hurt. 
And I think we saw that with Caden Hotelling and Christian Boyd towards the end of the season. Um, so I, I think that's that's a position to to add some depth. Maybe another FCS guy that has some experience that you know you can rotate in uh, if need be. Maybe not a such a high end guy unless Peterson commits. You know that's that's great, and you throw him in. But and he's got two years of eligibility too. So if he has any sort of previous relationship with the Cordarius, you hammer that and you hammer that hard. I tell you that for sure if if you're recruiting him. But not much else out there. Uh, Peterson does have some FBS offers and uh, one from North Dakota State. So that'll be that'll be a tough sell. But uh, not not a ton on, on the defensive line. I, they must be comfortable with what they've got because nobody's graduating. If if Bailey's coming back, nobody's graduating. You got Bailey. You got Jack Krebs. You got Christian Boyd. You got Cannon Butler. You got uh, Devin Rice. And then Carter Hewitt, who's a guy who is towards the back of the the roster, towards the back of the lineup, but got some experience this year. Played well against South Dakota State. So if you can add a guy, awesome. If you if you can't, that sucks. But if you can, uh, great. Then there's linebacker, which is one of the more confusing positions to me as well. Whereas I could see them go and get somebody at, at linebacker, but at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if they don't because they're pretty much five or six deep on on the roster right now at linebacker especially if I'm I'm not thinking of anybody or if they do get a guy in the portal because Spencer Cuvillier Bryce Slater gone for the first time in four years that's <laughs> not ideal not ideal to say the least Cuvillier the leading tackler or one of the leading tacklers the last few seasons Bryce Slater up there too that's a tandem that was probably the best in the Missouri Valley Football Conference uh, at linebacker this season if not the best close to the best because those guys have been around for a long time they're they're great at reads Cuvillier essentially the quarterback of the offense so you got to replace him I'm assuming that's going to be Ben Belkin I, I think that's a safe assumption he's gotten a decent amount of snaps the last two seasons with Flater and with Cuvillier out so I, I presume he's going to be the Mike, the Mike linebacker, the quarterback of the defense. And then you got Cam Baker. You got uh, Penny Nalu, who's a transfer from Washington State, Tucker Langenberg and Caleb Fraser. And I think all five of those guys could rotate in and get get some time. I think they've all played special teams, maybe not Belkin, but uh, I, I think they've all played special teams, maybe not Nalu either. But I, I think... If you can go out and get a seasoned linebacker that you can stick into that Mike linebacker spot and have Belkin just plug in and and either watch or play alongside him, I don't think that's I I, I think that's a pretty good idea. I do think that's a good idea. Um, a guy who might have some experience at a lower level FCS, but has done some really good things. A guy at the FBS level who may have not have gotten a shot, but is a little bit older and still has a couple years experience. I I think you throw that guy in next to Ben Belkin and you don't have to worry about health that way. Cause Cam Baker, Penny, Nalu, Tuck and Lang- Tucker Langenberg and, and Caleb Frazier can, can rotate in. And if you add another linebacker that makes it more likely that you can move Edwin Deerman back to the safety spot and put somebody else who's a little bit bigger in that, in that nickel position, because Edwin's a little undersized for that. He was awesome at it. I really love what he's flying around. But if he can be a strong safety, take guys' heads off off the back, and also use uh, it, it, coverage, be used in coverage, I, I think that's I think that's where I would want to lean. But it also depends on who you can fill in to that nickel position. Again, we're talking the transfer portal. Excuse me, transfer portal here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM nine fifty KOEL and KOEL dot com. Talking about the UNI Panthers and the portal with me, UNI Insider for Town Square Media, Elliot Clough. You can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Clough. So before we head to break, there is one other position that I want to talk about that it appears the staff has made some sort of play in the portal for. I don't... I th- I really can only think of linemen and defensive backs that have been offered out of JUCO, at least a, a substantial amount. I should I should go back and, and look a little bit more into that. Some some guys on the edge too, I suppose. But wide receiver, they really really got a good one last year by adding Desmond Hudson, and I think Coach Reeder, Coach Gans, Coach Farley see that and be like, hey. Why not? Especially with the loss of Quan Hampton and Dion McShane to graduation. So 
From what I've seen on Twitter, they've offered Jakari Carter, a wide receiver from Merrimack College, and Naeem Simmons from Wagner, and then Melquan Stovall from Colorado State, and DJ Hart from North Dakota State. Now, when you see Stovall and Simmons in the portal, Naeem Simmons was the number one ranked pro football focus receiver in the country this season. You throw an offer at him and hope it sticks. When you see Melquan Stovall, who produced at Colorado State, who sucks, they are garbage. You see what he's done at that slot position. You throw a scholarship offer at him, too. Jakari Carter has 12 offers. You throw, a, you throw one at him. And then DJ Hart, a guy who you've seen a little bit of, and he's produced this season for the uh, Bison at North Dakota State. And that's, that's one that makes a little bit more sense uh, that could come into UNI and fit and, and see statistically what Theo Day did last season and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to play there. I want to produce. I want to put up numbers. So Hart's the one that appears to be a little bit more likely to me. I don't, I don't, again, I don't know a ton about his game. He hasn't played a whole lot uh, in, in school, but for North Dakota state, but I think he has, he has two years of eligibility, uh, excuse me, eligibility left. If I remember correctly from what I can tell on Carter Stovall and Simmons, they posted the offer from UNI, but they're not I don't, as far as I can tell, they're not interested. Stovall has used some official visits to go to uh, some FBS programs. Carter, I believe it's Carter, has uh, scheduled some official visits, not to UNI, and Simmons hasn't announced anything about visits. But Hart only has three offers one of them from UT Martin, one of them from Illinois State, and the other from UNI. And I would not be shocked to see him end up at UNI, see what they did this this last offseason for, for the offense and him come in and, and produce and, and contribute. Now, the way I frame that is just saying that I think the staff has focused on the wide receiver position, at least to a degree. Now, is it something they're going all in on? I don't think so. When you're offering wide receivers, there's a ton of them out there, and you also know that you can use a variety of them in the punt return game and kick return, and you'll have a bunch of depth at receiver in general. And if you can go five, six deep, seven deep of receivers you trust, that's a good thing. You probably want about 10 to 12 on your roster, truthfully, in college football. You probably want 10 to 12. And right now what they have is Sergio uh, Morency, Sam Schnee, Desmond Hudson, Tyson Kershaw. Uh, those are four for sure guys that have played. And then Logan Wolf, possibly depending on his, uh, he has eligibility. It just depends on if he wants to come back or not because he's been in college for a while. And then you got new guys, Brady McCullough, uh, uh, Devell Washington, adding Grant Larkin. And then the next three are Tay Norman, Quincy Morris, and Kale Losher. So you have 11 on your roster. And with that as it is, I think those top five, six are really playable right now. We'll see what comes from Devil Devel Washington and what comes from Grant Larkin. But you're going to get quality quality games from Sergio, Sam Schnee, Desmond Hudson. That's been made apparent. Wolf, if he sticks around, for sure. Not I, I honestly kind of thought Kershaw would enter the portal at this point, but he he clearly likes where he's at and what he's doing for the Panthers. McCullough is going to be really fun. Devell Washington was a stud in high school, so we'll, we'll see what comes from him and Grant Larkin, a three-star recruit. So I, I don't think that they necessarily need any wide receiver. If I'm a receiver and I see that and I only have two eligibility, two years of eligibility left, I think, mm, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm a little more needed and I can produce. So there's, there's two sides to that coin. Put up a bunch of numbers last season with the quarterback, and there's also a ton of other talent there. So those are my thoughts on, on the transfer portal and where the Panthers are now. I'm sure things will continue to progress as we see commitments I don't have any any idea on if any other players are going to enter the portal from you and I will we'll keep track of that as it happens and, and talk about it here on corn stocks and sports talk. All righty. Don't go anywhere. We are talking with Keith Murphy of WHO 13 next is the transfer portal good for college football. It's fun. It's fun to talk about here, but is it good for college football? That's next on corn stocks and sports talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. The transfer portal continues to fill up more and more by the day and on to talk with us about the implications, what he sees coming and more is Keith Murphy from WHO 13 in Des Moines here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Keith, good to talk with you again as always. You've been covering sports for quite a long time, so you know 
what it's been like, what it was like before the portal, and uh, now what it's been like after with eligibility right away and, and so many different things. Currently more than a thousand guys in the portal, if I remember seeing your tweet correctly from yesterday. Uh, from your vantage point, is this good for college football? I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, I, I think you have to have some kind of guardrails in place for everybody's benefit, not just not just the coaches, not just the fans, um, not just the teams, uh, but also the players. I mean, many of these players in the portal are going to be left without a chair when the music stops. We know that from last year. And it always seems like the grass is greener somewhere else, or maybe you want to be a starter because you've been a backup, or maybe you saw another quarterback change teams and then suddenly become an NFL prospect. There, there are many reasons that this it's attractive to get into the portal, but not all of it ends up being a success story. And right now, Elliot, it's just, it's crazy. You, you get to the end of the regular season, these teams are going to bowl games and suddenly a bunch of the team is missing. Like you have, uh, you have the, what used to be the copper bowl or insight bowl. I forget what it's called now it's played in Phoenix, but uh, Wisconsin is playing Oklahoma state. Both starting quarterbacks are in the transfer portal. So what an attractive matchup that is to watch. Neither one of those guys is going to play. You look at Iowa, they're going to have a quarterback in the bowl game. that's never taken a college snap. And I don't know who he's going to be throwing passes to because several of the receivers are in the transfer portal. So it seems like the timing is off. Uh, it, it, it doesn't right now, I think, work in really anyone's overall best interest. I think most of us believe that if coaches can bolt from a team at any time to a better job, players should be able to as well. But there needs to be some kind of guidance from someone on this. And the problem is, since the NCAA has been beat up in court, they're just kind of like, "Hey, uh, you know, I don't, we don't know, we don't, uh, we don't, we've already had our wrist slapped by the Supreme Court. Uh, you guys figure it out." And uh, there's no governing body, so it's it's it is the Wild West. It's described as the Wild West a lot, and that's the best description I can think of. You know, I've heard it described as free agency, essentially, too, at, sure. at the college level, and you know. I it's so tough to gauge when it's the right move versus when it's not, at least from an outsider perspective, too. And then you throw in the fact that these kids are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Like, you don't have the wisdom to gauge when it's the right move. Right. I was a, a knucklehead at, <laughs> at the age that many of these guys are, are making the decision. Or imagine being a five-star recruit like Caden Proctor and – it's clear to me through my conversations with him and the, the ones I've seen with others, he wants to go to Iowa. I think he will go to Iowa. He wants to be an Iowa Hawkeye. But if, if Oregon wants to fly you out there and give you a five-star weekend of luxury resort and the finest food that you can have and just having everybody grovel at you, I mean, 18-year-old kid's ego um, – and I don't even, he doesn't even seem like an egotistical kid to me or self-centered one, but who wouldn't take that vacation? Or this week, Caden Proctor tweeted that Deion Sanders in Colorado have made him an offer. Well, of course, Deion is going to go after every five-star recruit. Why wouldn't you at least try? But I just remember what it was like to be flattered. I mean, it's nice to be flattered now at my age. We all enjoy being flattered, I think, to some degree. But when I was a 18 years old, it was to the nth degree because I was still in that mindset of the world revolves around me to to some point. Like I look back at my 18 year old self and I, I can't believe how naive I was and, and how little I understood what's really important. And these are big decisions these kids are making, these young men. And usually they have someone in their ear uh, that is telling them or helping them with what to do. And sometimes they're getting bad advice. I mean, uh, sometimes they're, they're being told to do something that maybe isn't actually in their best interest. And we have to remember most of these guys think if they're in the right situation, they're going to the NFL. And in basketball, they just think, man, if I, if I just get to the right coach, the right situation, I'm going to the NBA. And the overwhelming majority will never see a minute of playtime in the NFL or the NBA, but they have people telling them that they 
they will. They just need the right coach or the right program. So I think all of that is just lights the fire of movement. Again, we're talking with Keith Murphy from WHO 13 here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. From with everything that's been going on as far as the over a thousand players in the portal. I mean, I'd have to think, and you'd have to think that eventually the NCAA steps up and does something. I just don't know what. I have no idea because you can't limit. I mean, I'm assuming it it wouldn't make sense for them to limit amount of players that can enter a portal or enter the portal from a school because you have a situation where, you know, a a coach gets fired or maybe you take off the boundaries when a coach gets fired or or moves on. And of course, there are the the uh, openings for graduate students and for when coaches move on. There's just so many different things. I don't know how you make the adjustment and make it work. I don't either. And I don't think the NCAA wants to do that anymore because they, they they basically are becoming more like an organization that strictly puts on the on a tournament, the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, that's the primary thing they do now. They they don't want to get beat up in court anymore. They don't want to they don't want to overstep what they legally should be doing. They have kind of just turned it back over to the institutions and say, you decide. But there's there's really no commissioner over power five football programs and there are no there are no guardrails in place at all right now so it's and this is a case of the proverbial toothpaste is already out of the tube how do you put it back in but it really i think would better serve everybody involved to have some kind of guidance here and we haven't even talked about you know how many backroom deals are being made or like kirk ferentz said sunday like hey i I think some of the guys who entered the portal uh, already had a place to go. Uh, um, imagine that. And of course he's, he's hinting at the, uh, the tampering that's going on everywhere because you, you may not have a coach contacting somebody, but a coach through someone on staff contact, someone who contacts a player. M- many of these guys do know where they're going before they enter the portal. And now you have that other crazy part of all this which are the collectives which are trying to get together money to pay guys to stay at a a certain university or entice them to come in i mean the the swarm collective for iowa was pretty open on our radio show about and they should be because it's legal now i mean it's within the rules talking about you know yes money was you know they spent some of that money to get Cade mcnamara to come from michigan to iowa and right now, the Swarm said it's put together, the president of the Swarm, Brad Heinrichs, he told me uh, they put together $3 million, and their goal is $10 million a year. And the crazy part of that, I mean, among crazy parts, there are many there, is, is that in a world where the fans are being asked to buy expensive tickets, buy expensive parking tickets, Uh, in many cases being asked to donate at a certain level to even have the right to buy those good seats. They're doing all of that. And now they're being asked to also pay the players. And this is at a time where they're well aware that because of streaming rights, hundreds of millions of dollars are flowing into these universities, this river of cash from streaming rights. And the, the, the fans are being asked to give even more, which is all designed to keep NCAA athletes from being declared employees. Because if they're employees, you lose the amateur status, uh, you lose some of the tax, tax production, you have to start giving them benefits, unions form. I mean, it it is crazy. And I don't know how this all ends or how it doesn't just implode at some point. It sure feels like we are are approaching that. Uh, and again, you mentioned Swarm, uh, the Swarm. They're they're raising money for for Iowa um, and Iowa athletics. With that mentioned, uh, I mean Iowa versus Iowa State versus UNI versus some of these other schools. Iowa has lost so much talent already via the portal. No, nobody's committed or anything like that. But I mean, obvious, obviously it was Keegan, Keegan Johnson. Then you lose uh, uh, Arlen Bruce. Uh, Alex Padilla was, it was out as well. And then now it's the defense too. Justin Jacobs, Terry Roberts, Reggie Bracey, all in the portal. I, 
I, I, it makes, it made sense to me when all the offensive guys entered the portal, but, but Justin Jacobs, Terry Roberts on, on a defense that is one of the best in the country. What was your reaction when, when you saw that? And, and I mean, what was your reaction? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it, boy, I was surprised, but I think we, we might underestimate some of the conversations that are taking place that do involve money. And if you're the if you're the swarm collective or at Iowa State, the we will collective, uh, you have to not only try to get other players to come into your university to join your sports team. You also have to keep players from leaving. And how do you do that while the season's going on? And that, you know, the portal opens right after the bowl games are announced. And it's it's crazy. And I, I think the only thing keeping. Hawkeye fans from melting down more than they have is they're just so excited that a talented proven quarterback is coming in that it's probably put a little deodorant on some of these departures that we should know can change their mind and turn around. And in some cases, Iowa will probably put together uh, the collective or the swarm will put together some money and try to keep them from leaving and get them to come back to Iowa. Like we saw with, with Davion Nixon. But you get like a Tyrese Hunter who has a breakout game for Iowa State in the NCAA tournament. And the next thing you know, he's playing against Iowa State for Texas or uh, uh, the the Drake basketball player, Yesifu. I mean, he has he has this huge breakout postseason for Drake. And then he's over at Kansas on the bench. And uh, from time to time, I'll see a, you know, a, a Bulldog fan, understandably a little disappointed, if not bitter about that. And I'll be like, well, I hope. Hope he's enjoying the bench over there at Kansas. Well, he probably enjoyed winning a national championship and making quite a bit of money on the NIL. And Drake can't match what Kansas can give a bench player uh, and the NIL. And you're up there, Elliot, in the, in the territory where the, all of this is probably hurting the UNIs and the Drakes of the world more than anyone. I mean, Drake's best player is, is there partly because his dad is the head coach. Uh, so it's I don't see how this is this is good for anyone. I think most fans are just like, well, I love football. I love basketball, whatever the sport is. We just have to we have to get involved. Like, how much do you think, you know, Kirk Ferentz, how much do you think he hates this direction? Oh. I think he hates it. Hates this is it. not this yeah. is not what Kirk Ferentz signed up for. But he either had to go Mike Krzyzewski and say, hey, this, this isn't what I want to do. I'm retiring. I have enough money. I have enough success. I don't want to do this or adapt or, or, or it all collapses. And Ferentz has adapted. He's in now. Uh, I was in on this, but that doesn't mean he likes it. We're coming up on time here with Keith Murphy of WHO 13, but I will flip the script here, but before we run out of time, um, and and say, you know, it, to a degree, it has been very beneficial for UNI. I don't know how much you follow the Panthers football season, but Theo Day coming in from Michigan State, arguably the best quarterback in the country. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I, I don't really think as much about the players coming in as the ones going out. It's a little bit like criticism. I, you know, I can get 10 compliments and and one person says something nice and or the other way around, 10 compliments, and then one person rips me. Um, I, I tend to focus on that. Like, gosh, what, what, why do they hate me? Or why don't they right. like me? Or what do I need to do better? It's like, I think it's human nature sometimes to dwell on the negative a little bit more than embrace the positive. And you make a good point with that. And I'm glad to hear that too, because I am worried about the, the FCS programs and, and the smaller programs, whether they can keep up. Because say you and I has a really good, as they often do, a really good offensive lineman. Uh, even if you don't have money, because most of these guys aren't getting rich in the portal. They're just looking for other opportunities. The, the big stars are going to make some money, but most don't. And many of these players in the portal are FCS or in some cases, Division Two. Um, but yeah, a, a guy at you and I, you could go, you could go after him just with the uh, hey, um, you know, how would you like to have a more luxurious college experience? With you know, look at say at Iowa State, look at look at the new nutrition building and strength and conditioning building we built, and we 
you know, we take a private flight everywhere we go and um, you play in front of 60,000 people every week. You could just try to sell them on the amenities. You know, it didn't even have to be the money. And then uh, you and I's in the uncomfortable situation in that scenario of just hoping, I guess, for the most part, that the guy just wants to be a Panther. Uh, and you're going to be looking for that kind of loyalty. Like Jack Campbell, can you imagine anything enticing that guy from leaving Iowa? I, 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 nothing. I could see him like out there at bowl game playing by himself if everybody opted out. Like, a, you know, I'll take on <laughs> Kentucky by myself. Um, that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. So you're going to need more players like that because it, it seems – it seems loyalty is gone. Alabama is amongst those schools with the most players in the portal. And right here is where we lost Keith's connection. I'm sure Keith would have said he appreciated hopping on, which he did. He shot me a text after Keith, a great guy. And we are really appreciative of him joining us on this segment on Cornstalks and sports talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Keith, of course, from WHO 13 in Des Moines at Murphy Keith on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Great stuff. All Iowa, Iowa State, and some Drake UNI stuff there as well. Now don't go anywhere because we got more corn stocks and sports stock coming up here on AM950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Big win last night for the Iowa Hawkeyes over Iowa State and Carver Hawkeye Arena, 75-56. On to talk with us now is Sean Bach of Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports about the win for Iowa. Sean, I think a lot of people were expecting Iowa State to to take that game last night, um, especially with, with no Chris Murray. But Iowa jumped out to that big lead, never let up. What did they do that that worked so well versus maybe what didn't work well for, for Iowa State? They shot the ball well. That makes uh, <laughs> that makes a heck of a difference. I mean, when you look at back at some of these games that Iowa has had the last four games, um, they went two and two during that stretch, obviously with the losses to Duke and TCU, winning uh, over Clemson and uh, uh, Georgia Tech. But Iowa shot 19 of 78 from three during those four games. And the game against Duke, that was especially magnified. And, I mean, three of 16 – we're getting good shots, but some of those shots would have been made in years past and would have been a big momentum builder or a big momentum rider, you know, throughout the uh, throughout the week. So, I mean, throughout the game, excuse me, my my head's going crazy with the transfer portal stuff <laughs> um, throughout the uh, throughout the game. And I think that made all the difference on Saturday because Iowa hit a couple or on Thursday, hit a couple of uh, hit a couple of three pointers early. Um, and we're really, we're really cooking on and, you know, got out to that big lead. I think they're up 10, nothing, or wasn't it like 20 to like two at one point or yeah. something, something like something along those lines, it was a big lead. Um, and they just continue to put the foot, the gas, the foot on the uh, gas pedal. And like I said, I mean, hitting threes has been something that I always struggled with, especially during this recent stretch and to t- see them space the floor and you know, really knocked down shots was was critical because this Iowa State team, generally, you're not going to get a lot of three-pointers. And if you're able to break their defense, then you're going to have a good chance to win because they are so limited on the offensive side of the floor. And Iowa found a way to exploit that. And, you know, that's ultimately what led to that win. Now, you mentioned they've been struggling from shooting from deep, which obvious you just watch them those few games and it's very clear. I don't want to make a leap where there's not a leap to be made. You mentioned spacing the floor too. Does Chris Murray have anything to do like his absence have anything to do with their ability to space the floor and shoot? Cause he's a pretty decent shooter. No, I don't think it does. I mean, I think Iowa just played really well. And I think when they're hitting shots, then they're a much more capable team. You know, I don't think this loss had anything to do with Chris Murray being out. Actually, I think he would have helped this team most definitely. I mean, he's the best player, one of the best players in the Big Ten. Yes, he's had some struggles here and there. Yes, he struggled with physicality a little bit. But I think, you know, you put him in line with that, you know, those guys in that rotation. I think Iowa could have won this game by even more and, you know, would be even tougher to guard. It's just a matter of hitting shots. Like, that's a big thing. I know it sounds so simple and it sounds so, like, Sean, great analysis, like, of course. <laughs> but it's like when Dickie V said the other day in the broadcast, it's like, 
the three-point shot changes everything for a basketball team. If you are hitting threes or at least, you know, connecting like, you know, 40%, 39%, 38%, that's a really good percentage. And that that difference could be the difference in games. Like I was ranked 115th in three-point percentage this year. I think they were closer to like the 200 mark before last night or somewhere like 160, 170 around there. So, you know, getting those three-point shots down, being able to space the floor, um, having someone like Phil Verbrach on the inside. I mean, I know he's undersized, but one of the concerns I had going into this game was how Phil Verbrach would battle with the Iowa State bigs who are pretty lengthy and long. I mean, I know Robert Jones is more of a traditional post with his size and not as quick, but Osini um, is one of the more lengthier, more athletic big men in the country, and he picked up four fouls in 10 minutes and only had four points and had three turnovers with that too. So um, Philip did a really good job on the low block, you know, was really impressive with his feet and how he was able to finish. And, you know, Iowa came up with a really good game plan to, you know, halt the Iowa State. And like I said, I mean, I worried about this game going into it if Iowa wasn't able to hit shots because Iowa State can beat you um, with their defense. But Iowa State offensively was just not not good um, in most stretches yesterday. And, you know, obviously Iowa start played a big role in that. But it was uh, definitely one one game that you could kind of look at and be like, okay, like this Iowa team should be all right, especially if they're hitting shots, they should be all right. Like that Duke game, it's probably going to be one of the more athletic and talented teams they play this year, despite Duke not being a finished product. But I think if you look back at that game, you're kind of like, okay, Iowa could have had you know, had Philip Bracha hit those three layups in the first half, this game would have been a different game. Had, you know, they hit three or four more three-pointers like they usually do, it would have been a much different game. And I think, you know, Iowa played well against Duke in most doses, but just their inability to hit shots was a killer. And, you know, they're it's not like they were shooting completely different shots this game, but they weren't pressing, and I think that played a big role in it. But also the quality of the shots were the same as Duke, but they were just going in on Thursday. Right. And so, you know, you juxtapose these games, that that game versus TCU, which was was pretty ugly a few weeks ago uh, for the Hawkeyes. Do you think last night or, or should last night be more of an indicator of who the Hawks are as opposed to what we've seen when they've looked like they did against TCU, when they've looked like they did against Duke? I think the game yesterday shows the potential. I don't think they're going to shoot that well every game. But I think if they make three or four more three-pointers than they've been averaging, they're going to be in every game. And I think some teams are limited offensively, like in every game they play. Iowa is definitely not. I think defensively they take a little bit of a step forward. But I think yesterday is more indicative of what Iowa can be but also to keep in mind, like, they didn't have Chris Murray. And Peyton Sanford, who is probably Iowa's best three-point shooter, is, like, has not – has not. I think he's hit three threes this season – or three threes in the last, like, seven games or something like that. And he's their last – he's their best three-point shooter, and he's shooting, like, 25% from three this year. So, I, I mean, I think this team ceiling's really high. I'm interested to see, you know, how Philip Bratchett can kind of compete against. I know, you know, he's going to play harder than anyone, but I'm really fascinated to see how he can factor in against guys like Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, Hunter Dickinson of Michigan, uh, Cliff Omarui of Rutgers. Um, there are a few other bigs in the Big Ten that come to mind as well. But teams that, you know, maybe are as good defensively as Iowa State, but not as uh, – limited you know offensively as iowa state yeah i think i saw your tweet last night in, in regards to to sanford and and the it is uh struggle from shooting from deep recently what was your tweet it was something like i don't think i've ever seen anybody celebrate like that when they're up 25 yeah right? smile <laughs> smile yeah supposedly other people tweeted that out too so i felt kind of a, I felt i thought it was a good tweet but I guess other uh, people stole my thunder too. Hey man, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're, doing, we're talking with Sean Bach from Hawkeye Insider and 24 seven sports here on uh, corn stocks and sports talk. 
on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com this Saturday morning. Any update on on Chris Murray? I know I saw a report that he might miss multiple games, not just that game last night. Yeah, my assumption would be that he's going to miss Wisconsin game. I mean, Frank McCaffrey said that he's probably not going to play on Sunday. And then they have two games, or Sunday against Wisconsin. Then they had two games against Southeast Missouri State and Eastern Illinois, home games right before Christmas. Then they don't play again until a road game at Nebraska on December 29th. So you're looking at, you know, probably a three to five week span. I would lean, you know, probably, I don't think I was in a huge rush to get him back. And I mean, unfortunately, those are away games at Nebraska and Penn State. I mean, they should win Nebraska. They should win Nebraska if Nebraska's full speed. They weren't this week against uh, Indiana without Sam Griesel, uh, but they beat Creighton the other day. So Nebraska's a pretty dangerous team. Penn State's going to fight with anyone this year. Iowa plays them on New Year's Day. Those are both road games. So I'm interested to see if Iowa tries to get Chris back around that time um, and could pe- potentially, you know, have him back in full full speed for. Uh, Big template, but also that's why I think this winning this game was so important yesterday because it puts a little bit of less pressure on you against Wisconsin without Chris and knowing like what that team did. And I mean, Wisconsin's kind of a similar team to Iowa State a little bit where they're more, you know, kind of a traditional Wisconsin team where they're going to slow you down, play physical. They're not that great offensively outside of a couple guys, but defense is kind of their calling card. Um, but if you get down on against them, they're going to be tough to come back from. But I think this Iowa or that win over Iowa State gives you a little more optimism um, about, you know, the game on Saturday or Sunday and the potential loss of Keith, Chris Murray. So I would think around that Nebraska Penn State game, they might get him back. Um, I don't expect him to play the next three games. But also, like I said, like two of those games are are by games against low major opponents that Iowa should win with ease. So I would I would expect that Nebraska or Penn State game. I know anything about uh, at least Eastern Illinois specifically, the athletics there are not fantastic. So you probably don't have to worry about that game if you're an Iowa fan and, and uh, good to have him back come the, the actual start of the, um, the Big Ten play. But um, now let's let's make a transition over to the, the transfer portal here, because Lord knows we can't go a segment without talking about it on Court Stocks and Sports Talk. You, you and Dave have been uh, all over. Uh, who the Hawks are pursuing, visits, et cetera. Um, anybody that they're really pushing for in particular right now that that Hawk fans should should have their eye on? Yeah, obviously, Kate McMurray, Michigan transfer quarterback, was a big get that they got last week. This weekend, they have uh, Michigan tight end transfer Eric Hall, who was one of McMurray's top targets during, I- or during Michigan's uh, Big Ten championship run in 2021. I think Iowa's in a great spot there. Um, they have Hillsdale College, which is a D2 school in Michigan, uh, wide receiver Isaac Teslaw coming on campus today, Friday, for an official visit. Iowa's battling Iowa State there. Oklahoma State and Houston have also offered. <clears throat> and then they also had a pretty interesting visitor that was on campus last week or this weekend, uh, or it started yesterday in a Nebraska linebacker transfer, Ernest Hausman. Hausman is a uh, native of Columbus, Nebraska, which is big time Husker land was adopted at the age of five, was a pretty, you know, touted recruit coming out of high school. He's a pretty high three-star, but Iowa was really involved involved in his recruitment, ended up going to Nebraska um, and played a lot of, I think he played in all 12 games as a freshman for Nebraska um, on their defense at linebacker and special teams, had 54 tackles as a true freshman, entered the transfer portal here because um, – Nebraska let go of his position coach in the linebacker room, and that was a big reason for him leaving. But Iowa got him on campus right away, thanks to those relationships. And, you know, Iowa's going to be a big player in this one. It's it's going to be fascinating to see what happens because um, he's a guy that, with the loss of Justin Jacobs, you can kind of plug in and play right away. And, you know, potentially the loss of Jack Campbell and Seth Benson. I know Seth Benson has another year of eligibility left. It hasn't been said whether or not he's going to return next year. But it's just something to monitor because if you have someone like, uh, you know, Ernest in there that you can play right away, that that leaves you a little bit of a little bit of softer cushion with the linebacker room, losing guys like Jack Campbell, potentially Seth Benson, obviously Justin Jacobs. Um, So those are three guys on campus this weekend. 
They're trying to get Charleston Southern wide receiver transfer Seth Anderson on campus next week, and I think that's going to happen. Then they have Harvard grad transfer cornerback uh, Alex Washington coming on campus next weekend as well. He uh, Iowa's battling Boston College and Duke for him. I mean, with the loss of Terry Roberts, that's going to be uh, an area where Iowa kind of wants to get another guy that can come in and compete right away. Right now they have Jamari Harris and Cooper DeGene at those cornerback spots, but you can if you get Washington, you get a little more depth there. And depth was something that was exploited in the cornerback or in the defensive back room, especially at cornerback towards the end of the year, especially against that Nebraska game um, when Iowa had a number of guys out due to injury. And, you know, Nebraska was able to get on the board early with some of the uh, deep balls that they were throwing downfield. So getting Washington, the full could maybe move, have you move Cooper DeGene back to the cash. But those are some of the main guys that they're kind of targeting right now. They're looking at another uh, – wide receiver and carry Chromes from Western Michigan, who's visiting Minnesota this weekend. Um, but I mean, getting K McNamara on, on uh, in the fold was, was vital. That was uh that was a huge, huge thing. Um, because, you know, that's just going to attract more guys and, you know, make Iowa a pretty appealing place um, to uh, eventually transfer to, if that's where they're looking. One last question before we let you go, Sean, uh, with all the departures, in the transfer portal. And I think we may have had this conversation with, with David, but with all the departures, all the possible entries, the, the, the guys that have, that have already uh, decided they want to be Hawkeyes like Cade McNamara, how is this affecting recruiting at the high school level? I mean, especially when you look at a guy like Caden Proctor, who would be one of the biggest recruits to ever come into to Iowa city. Yeah, I don't think it's, you know, this 2023 class, they kind of got every, everyone they want right now. They're looking at probably three guy, three more guys. Um, obviously, Asa Newsom from Waverly Shell Rock uh, is a guy that's on top of their board. Ismael Smith-Flores, who is the uh, son of former Iowa defensive or defensive player uh, Leroy Smith. Um, he's a guy that they're really high on at the wide receiver position. And then, you know, they're potentially looking to take one more running back. So, the 2023 class isn't as uh isn't as affected by it because they kind of got their guys in the fold already. But that 2024 cycle, I'm interested to see how they go about that. And you know, I'm interested to see how these transfers play into the mix this year too. If I was able to get some of these guys, because I think that could have a uh, I think I was going to continue to use the portal in the coming years, but I think this year was definitely a necessity. So I don't see it too much impacting the 2023 class, but more so you know, the 2024s and 2025s potentially. He is Sean Bach, Bach 24-7 on Twitter. I don't have it up in front of me, so that is a total guess. And I got it right. Let's go. <laughs> go did, give him yeah. a follow uh, for, for all the Iowa content on Twitter. Sean is on top of everything recruiting for the Hawkeyes. Sean, we appreciate you always being willing to hop on, man. Yeah, Elliot, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's episode, you can always check in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen there, the KOEL app as well. And if you're on there, make sure to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. That helps us out a lot. You can always subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Just search Elliot Clough and you will find us. My name is Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media, and this was another week's episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk.